Good evening, dear listener. Grab yourself a nice drink. Put your feet up. Lie back. Close your eyes. Focus on your breath. Scan down your body, starting from the top of your head, through the nose, the throat, the neck. Oh, uh, hold on, that's my Grocer Jack Zen School of Meditation script. Got that wrong. Um, good evening, dear listener, and welcome once again back to uh, our our bijou and somewhat infrequent, sporadic, every now and then um, little podcast that we do about Chelsea Football Club. After all the pain of a record defeat at Bournemouth, beating the Swedish version of Fulham, beating our newly set record at Bournemouth just over a week later with a record defeat at Manchester City, beating the Swedish Fulham again. The valiant effort and defeat at home defending the FA Cup versus Manchester United. That is a joke, by the way. And the comparative ecstasy and joy of the Carabao Cup final, not because we won, but because we actually turned up and looked a little bit like the old, snarling, spitting, shithouse Chelsea. Something confirmed by a similar display of what I would describe as highly diluted Sarri ball, an old-school, nasty Chelsea in the never-to-be-tired-of-beating of Spurs last night. The old shed is open. The seats are occupied by three of the finest guests you could possibly want to hear. Uh, uh, want to hear in part their carefully planned and thought-out brushstrokes of sageness and wisdom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 97 of the Podding Shed. Our last episode was in January, and although this is now the twilight of February, and winter is in its death throes, and spring is springing, uh, apart from today, obviously, when it's been rubbish, uh, we edge ever closer to that special centenary edition. Just the three more episodes to go, eh, listener? Just remember, we still pod when we want. So, tonight, despite their gainful employment doing stuff that really is important, I've managed to assemble a glittering line-up um, who are ready to boil, piss, blood and themselves to bits just to bring you the view from the front line. These are fans that go to the games. No, no, honest, they do. Um, they run the full gamut of emotions from joy to heartbreak. No, no, honestly, they do. Uh, in order to offer educated and ill-educated opinions, fact, fake news, insightful and speculative comment, all for your enjoyment. And also to have a bit of a moan. Um, each of them are sat there with a tactful cactus by the window, surveying the prairie of their room. Clayton will get that little reference. All this for no financial reward, acts of warm and genuine altruism and not an ego amongst them. Also tonight we'll persevere with the usual discussion format rather than match-by-match reviews because it's just been way too many matches since the last podding shed. Um, uh, although words on some of the games will be as welcome as we totter between dismal, turgid, insipid football, Hollywood moments, tantrums and dignity into, well, I guess his normal service. Um, as I said, this is episode 97, um, as yet untitled, but of course our dear leader and promoter Nick, our very own version of uh, James Dean Bradfield, there's a big compliment there for you Nick, will devise something feisty, foolish, fresh, flammable or even fantastic with which to title the episode. So let's crack on, start by introducing tonight's pod in Shed Glitterati, um, starting with me of course, and my name's Tony Glover, also known by my Twitter handle as GrossJackUK, and for tonight I'll be the Robert Peston of the night, trying to keep the rest in control. Control, intervening with the odd smart ass comment when relevant, and maybe some of those uh, Preston, Peston like uh, elongated pauses when I'm thinking aloud. Um, first of all, let's introduce our man of music and off piece threads. A man who takes a view of life, then reverses it, turns it upside down, and finally views it through a negative film exposure. Please welcome Donal, aka 
at Dr. Underscore Blue Bio. Welcome, Donal. Uh, good evening, Tony, and um, it's a pleasure to be here. And can I just say that um, <clears throat> I think we're, as a collective, perfectly capable of putting the listener to sleep without any of that sort of yoga <laughs> and other related nonsense. <laughs> Our sonorous droning is enough to... Uh, <laughs> To induce sleep in, in even the... Uh... You just don't get words like sonorous used in other podcasts. That's all I can say. Um, next, we welcome back a man who has a detailed view of everything Chelsea and now, hopefully, still has a decent headset so we can hear him above the noise of everything as he commutes home from work, but apparently is in his flat. Um, welcome, Kweku. Good to have you back. Uh, I would tell you his Twitter handle, everybody, but I'm not sure what it is anymore. It used to be at number one is Chelsea. Then I think he went back to at Kings Road or was I don't it know. is. It still is at Kings Roader. It is. It's still at Kings Roader. Glad, glad to be back. It's good to have you back, sir. Just and, like um, a Chelsea team beating Tottenham. Absolutely, yes. We couldn't have timed this one much better because I'm pretty sure we're all sitting there with smiles on our face, even if there are reservations around them smiles. And finally, mm-hmm. for one hour only, we have the delightful, thoughtful, reserved and cogent man who knows all there is to know on the art of goalkeeping. How very apt this week. If only we had a goalkeeping story. Anyway, please welcome Clayton Beerman, also known as at Goalie59 on Twitter. Good evening, Clayton. Good evening, Tony. Great to be back. Long, t- long time off out of the podding shed. I've yes. served my suspension and I'm <laughs> back now. You were never suspended. We were just always the victims of unfortunate timing. You know, it's like, it's like brief encounter. We really needed to make that arrangement under the clock tower, under the clock at Waterloo Station. Really, I won't ask whether I'm Trevor Howard or Celia Johnson. Then, <laughs> what really well, happened is Clayton kept getting the up off the bench. He kept getting up off the bench, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. the other yes. occupants refused to leave yes, and give them any right, space. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's outrageous. Behind. Who on earth would do a thing like exactly, that? Exactly. Yes. So um, let's let's let's. Uh, I, I, I've got a list of sort of things to talk about. You know. Um, is Sarri toast? Is Sarri ball dead? But look, I want to get the what I can from Clayton before he has to disappear. Um, uh, this has been um, what I describe in Chelsea terms as a real Hollywood week. You know, we are, you know, nobody's talking about Manchester City actually winning a trophy because it was all about us. Somehow or another, we made it all about us. And um, the whole Kepper Sarri thing is um, it's intriguing. So I'm going to kind of reverse it. Let's talk about um, the the whole that incident. Okay, we'll get on to the various defeats and how we're playing. You know, as as the chat goes on. But of course, that is the big story of the week, uh, or was at least until last night when we beat um, Spurs two nil. Um, and I, I've I've you know I, I'm. I'm quite cynical about this. I, I I personally took the view at the time that it was the actions, that Kepa's actions were the actions of a man who knew that the manager wasn't going to be about much longer, so it didn't matter what he did. Um, there was the absolutely, uh, I mean, the, the, the fact that Kepa made poor old Caballero look like a bit of a wally um, on the side, which wasn't particularly respectful or good or professional, I don't think. Um, there was the whole thing around was he fit or was he not fit to carry on and even if he wasn't fit or if he was fit to carry on if it was a tactical substitution why didn't Sarri make more of it Um, the bit that got me the most I think was the the Elton John tantrum of the unzipping of the way too big tracksuit top only halfway though the yelling and shouting at the people on the bench who were either laughing or looking utterly bemused at the man, um, then the throwing down of the water bottle, and then the flouncing out of the stadium, and then when the door was opened, 
you could still, even though you only saw the back of Sari's head, you could see that light bulb moment when he thought, oh shit, they've opened the door. If I go through that, that's it. Going, what is it? Is, it? is is he entering Narnia? Is there something on the other side that we'll never know? And he sort of turned around with this kind of frightened jackrabbit eyes and sort of wandered back to the bench as if everything was okay. I'm going to go to you first, Clayton. I really would appreciate your view on the incident, on Kepa, um, the whole lot. Just tell me what you think. Um, so my first initial impression um, was sadness because when you look at this season, we've had so little to to smile about. But one of the really good things about this season, in my opinion, uh, was the acquisition of Kepa and how he's performed. Um, I think for a 24-year-old going to a new country, I think he's done remarkably well. He has been incredibly assured. Yes, he could have done better at times, but you know, you say that about a number of goalkeepers. In fact, you could say that about World Cup winning goalkeeper uh, not 24 hours ago. Um, so I, I would say my initial impression was sadness because I just thought he is now going to be thought of in a completely different light. He will be remembered throughout his career. And let's, let's hope it's a long career at Chelsea for doing that. Um, although funnily enough, um, I would have thought those lovely people from North London last night would have given him a whole load of grief, even though he wasn't on the pitch, but they didn't. Um, that'll come presumably at Craven Cottage on, on Sunday. So my initial impression was, was one of sadness. Um, I, I, I have to say that there's two things immediately sprung to mind, and you mentioned one of them. There is no way that anybody would refuse to come off as a substitute if they had any respect and were <laughs> at all uh, in awe of the manager. Um, so that that was the first thing. And the second thing is, I, I if it was tactical, then surely it had to be um, discussed prior to the game or at half-time or at other times. I mean, they're, they're, they're constantly they get messages onto players onto the pitch, whether it be by note or whatever. And it was just a shambles. I mean, to, to, to me, it just said everything about this whole season is the fact and perhaps even last season is that we have no leaders in the club and you know I will be the 932nd person who says it but if John Terry was on the pitch that wouldn't have happened Mm. Um, Didier Drogba was on the pitch that wouldn't have happened a whole load of players would not let that have happened if there would have been a different manager on the sidelines that wouldn't have happened it was so easily dealt with you know, yeah. somebody just says, go over to the sidelines, ask him what he wants. Yeah. Just yes. go and talk to him. Yeah. yeah. Or alternatively, the manager just comes onto the pitch. Yes. But something very, very easily could have been done to avert <laughs> that whole situation. So I just think we're a bit of a circus, to be perfectly honest. And I think... As I say, it's the sadness is that is my overriding feeling from the whole incident. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting because I, I, I mean, we, I did, I wasn't at the game. I watched it on TV, and I had my um, 
uh, well, all the family over, but my son-in-law was a Fulham fan, uh, sat next to me, and we were watching the game, uh, and we were laughing. And he said, "Oh my God!" He said, that he, "He said he, he's just basically told the manager to 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 f off, isn't he?" And I was like, "Well, well, yes, that's exactly what he's done in front of eighty odd thousand people, and you know, a, a TV audience, but I'm guessing in the millions, you know, um, with worldwide syndication, etc." And, and you have was, to you have to wonder about the 115 turgid minutes that had already gone. So I would imagine the TV audience was it might have probably a Chelsea and City fans, and that yeah, would have been it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Quicker, what was your 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 thoughts on that? Let's let's talk about that incident before we get on to the, the kind of longer term stuff around Sarri and 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 the club in general. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think it, it's one of those incidents which. We could have probably put down to, uh, I know this is going to sound strange, but which we could probably have put down to the heat of the moment. But because of the way this season has gone uh, since, you know, um, the latter part of last year, it's, it just builds into a wider narrative of just how disorganised, um, chaotic, um, lacking in leadership this period seems to, seems to be. Um, I mean... You know, the manager, either the manager, um, I find it incredible that nobody could act as a go-between between between, uh, one player who was probably about 20, 30 yards away from his manager. Um, And, and, you know, then you've got a situation where Sarri is on live TV in front of millions having a a meltdown. Um, It's, It's just one of those things that had we not won on Tuesday... Uh, or Wednesday, I beg your pardon. Um, you know, would it would would just have been the, the sort of the final, well, final image of what has been for this part of the year a pretty sorry state of affairs for us as a club. Um, but hopefully, now that we've won on on Wednesday, we can kind of shrug it off and laugh. But there are obviously some some underlying issues which it might be pointing to, which we're probably going dis- to discuss later on in the show. Indeed, yes, Donald. What did um, you think? Like, like uh, quite a few other people, I saw it on the TV rather than live. I was talking to some friends of mine last night at a game who were there, and it it, it pretty much passed people by in the stadium. You know, they they realised that uh, Kepper didn't want to come off. They didn't see obviously the the amount of meltdown that we saw with Sarri. So for a lot of people, it wasn't until they got home or looked on their phones or whatever that they realized it created quite such a a kerfuffle and um someone's comment to me was i'd much rather a player refuse to come off the pitch than uh one who refused to go on and there (laughs) and there have been there have been some um you know some some incidents in the past where people have have refused to come on as a sub and so on Uh, i don't know i I look at it two ways. One is, he's a young lad. It was a cup final. He had a cramp or an injury. They wanted to haul him off. He wanted to stay on because, you know, all in all, it was quite a a decent performance all round by everyone. And they were doing well. They'd stayed organised. They'd ground City to a halt and basically got on top of them pretty much uh, in in the 90 minutes. Um, And... You know, so you could say he just wanted to stay on the pitch and perhaps didn't realise. I think the idea that Caballero is being brought on because of penalties, 
I don't know. If they hadn't discussed that beforehand, then it would be the wrong thing to have done to to Kepa. So I don't think that happened. And I, I, I think we just put it behind us. I think it was a heat of the moment thing. I think, mm. you know, it was a pressure. I think because it was... To my mind, the, the TV people had obviously the whole thing had gone awry for them. They were expecting to see City, you know, yes. scoring a dozen, and and you know the disappointment was was evident that they hadn't got what they wanted. Um, you know, there hadn't been any goals, and and this was something they could could latch onto. Um, I think Sarri's obvious agitation was the thing that they could really get into. I don't know, uh, considering the pressure he was under how vital this week was in terms of his long-term future. It's probably understandable that maybe he went a bit, mm. a bit doolally, but mm. I think, I think we've just put it behind us. It was one of those things that happens, you know, and it shouldn't overshadow what was a, a decent performance. Yeah. And um, in, in many ways, um, I think, yeah, he, he was a young lad. He, he was far from home as, as you've referred to. He's a, is a young lad who who comes from um, those verdant, you know, green hills and mountains of of the Basque country. And um, I actually I've discovered a little tune that perhaps sums up the whole of the sporting weekend. If you want to hear it now, yes, yes, um, by all means, let's have our music obviously, interlude. Obviously, on the Saturday, our Brythonic cousins um, from down the M4. Uh, turned over England in the egg chasing. Uh, and on Sunday, so that was all the news on Saturday, wasn't it? And then Sunday, all the news was about um, <clears throat> our young goalkeeper. So I, I think this this quite old tune sung by one of our old favourite Welshmen, Harry Seacombe, probably <laughs> sums up the, the whole weekend. Hopefully I've set this up correctly and I'll just I'll just play it for you now. And, you know, think about a young lad a long way from home and deep at heart, he knows that no matter how rejected he might be by Chelsea fans, there will always be people back there in the Basque country who are happy to welcome him home. As elongated a pun as you're going to get, I absolutely. Suppose. Yes, that's that's very good. Um, so I, I, I mean, I enjoyed the game on, on on Sunday, and it's the first game that I've watched that I've enjoyed since Huddersfield. Um, I found the 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 two games against Malmo to be um, hard work, even though we won. Uh, the first half against Malmo uh, at home was just turgid, and 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 this is my whole problem with, you know, we were told. Well, led to believe that Sarri was going to come in and we were going to be playing this progressive football and it was all going to be fantastic and it's 
turned out to be um, a kind of version of what Arsenal have done, but worse. And, um, uh, you know, turgid, insipid. I've, I've sort of ran out of adjectives for what I, I've been watching lately. Um, and I was, that's why I was a bit pleased on Sunday. And I, I likened it on the fan cast the other night. I said... Um, there's a film in 1976 which we were probably all old enough to remember bar you Kweku I should imagine um, but Rocky where Rocky Balboa was you know the, the, the puncher and he was sort of sacrificial lamb to Apollo Creed the, the flashy yeah. one you know the one who had <clears> all how the dare you I remember Rocky <laughs> shame on all of you yeah um, but the longer the fight goes on of course Apollo Creed's uh, you know he, he, the whole uh, the whole frontage, the whole facade starts to fall apart when he realises he's in a proper fight and things start to go wrong because Rocky refuses to go down and I just kept looking at this thinking this is this is us, you know, we've got the unfashionable shorts on, we are absolutely not giving in to this lot um, and as the game went on we got more and more into it, now, you know, there were still hard facts available that we did not have a shot on target in 120 minutes um, we had uh, I think I made a mistake by putting Jorginho up first for the penalty because his was atrocious um, and but you know ultimately in the end I think we were unlucky to lose and, and had you know when you get to the penalty stage you are um, you're very much in a it's a lottery situation it can go either way it's, there's there's no track records um, you know as we showed against Bayern you know when we beat a German team in a German home stadium to win the Champions League Um on the on the Sarri thing, um, so I, I described it earlier when I said, you know, this is uh, certainly Sunday, there was huge hints at it. And then last night, uh, it was just to me obvious that we have, we were playing a very diluted or adapted version of this so-called Sarri ball, which is all about, you know, pass, move, pass, move. Don't like players running with the ball particularly. It's all done by movement and passing the ball around. Um, and it, I, I find it very difficult to watch. I, it, it doesn't excite me. And then last night, um, I, th I found it quite thrilling at times, uh, the way we played and the way we were willing or and able to absorb Spurs and then sort of go back at them. Um, and we were into them like terriers from the from the from the from the. From the you know the the whistle, um, which was a really nice surprise because I, you know, I've tired for years of sluggish starts or whatever. So I just want to get your opinions on that because I, I I can't help I cannot help but think the players have had a word with Sarri and said this can't continue. You have to listen to us and what we do best, and you need to adapt. And I'll take anyone on this one. Uh, who wants to go? Clayton, uh, you go uh, first because you, you've got the less, least amount of time. No, go on, Quacko's... Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Quacko, um, sorry, Clayton, you, go, you can go first. No, 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 it's fine, go. Okay. I was just going to say, I, 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 don't, I don't think so. Uh, because, you know, we all know exactly where Kante should be playing. And he's not playing there. And he's still not playing there. So I don't think this is a guy who easily changes his mind. I think, um, by outside prompting, I think he obviously um, has looked at the situation and he's and he's seen the way that we've uh, we've played and I think this is something that um, you can also ascribe to to Conte uh, uh, in his first season uh, he came with an idea of what he wanted us to do but after that Arsenal defeat and after the after the the games that had, um, uh, we'd had before that where which were leading to that kind of uh, whooping. Uh, to use the uh, boxing terminology, <laughs> um, he he must have realised that there was something that he needed to do, 
Um, and I, 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 I don't think it's any coincidence that we continue to play the same way on Wednesday. Um, the, the, the situation as is means that if we don't play with a certain intensity, we are just going to get beaten. Um, and it's, just, it's something I was saying to a Spurs fan in the office today, that the difference between Chelsea and Spurs yesterday was not even necessarily technique, because you could see that Spurs were, were, were technically accomplished. It was just the fact that we did everything quicker than they did, and with, with far more intensity. And the same thing on Sunday. And I think that's what he's basically said that they, they need to do. It's still the same formation, more or less, but we do everything about 50 times quicker. And also, when we defend, we don't defend um, as, as either in that zonal way or as individuals. You can see that the whole team gets back to defend, which is the difference between now and the start of the season when it was just lent, left to the defensive line. So I think there's clearly been a, a change, but I think it's something that he has, because he's not blind, he has he's seen that he needs to make. Interesting. Clayton. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, sure. I, I, before you go, I mean, I've got this idea that there's been a kind of Moscow thing that went on. And we all remember that, um, you know, before the Moscow final, or in the lead up to the Moscow final through that season, that Avram Grant was really just nominally in charge of the team. That, you know, the the real power there was, you know, Carvalho and, and Drogba and Terry um, handing out the bibs for the training and all this sort of stuff. Um uh, you know, I, I, I'm not saying it's on the same scale because I think they basically said to everyone, "Grant, you don't know what you're doing. We do. Um, you just do the, the official bits or whatever." Um, but I was just wondering if it's been a, a bit of that. Whether you know the six nil, um, then the two nil versus Manchester United, and we'll never know for sure. But I can't, I, I can't get away from this feeling that it's 1986. <coughs> the England players have approached Bobby Robson and said, "You really need to listen to us in a collaborative manner rather than a, a challenging manner." So sorry, go. On. No, I'd, I'm sure I read this morning that the players mm. had said to Sarri that they wanted to, to sit deeper uh, against Tottenham. Sarri, um, Sarri has said that. He, yeah. I think he's, he said it in an interview that he's, he I, I, he's I, discussed I, it with the players and that they yeah. they either, I think he's put it across as a more collaborative thing, that he's agreed with the players that they'll they'll start by sitting deeper. Um, I, yeah, he's, he's pretty much said that, I think, in, in an interview. Okay, right. well, may, maybe the the penny has finally dropped um, that he hasn't got the players to do what he wants to do, not that I have any idea at all what indeed he does want to do. Um, I think that I'm still really not convinced by him. Um, I very much last night I got the same feeling as I did the time that we um, stopped Spurs winning the league. That season was, <laughs> was was absolutely dreadful. Yeah, and and then basically we're two nil down at half time, and all of a sudden the players go, "Oh, okay then," um, and they play like absolute devils for forty five minutes, which just really hacked me off because I thought, "What the hell have you been doing for the other nine months of the season?" Um, last night was a bit of pride. Um, I think that. It was quite interesting. I, I heard the conversation you had on the fan cast about... Uh, was it that Chidge said he spoke to Luther Blissett? Yeah. Um, and he said, what do players do when they've just been whacked by the same team and they've got to play them again? And, uh, you know, it was all about working harder and basically, you know, facing their demons in some respects. I thought last night um, we played well. I thought 
Spurs, the reason why Spurs' season has gone tits up is because they haven't bought anybody. Loads of those players were, were out on their feet by the end. Yeah. Um, I thought that, you know, we took advantage of that. Um, interestingly, a lot of our players would have been quite tired. But again, last night, I was incredibly frustrated because I thought with about 20 minutes, 25 minutes to go, I thought what we need now is somebody with a bit of pace. Now, I know that William and Pedro have pace, but but William, God bless him. I don't know if you've seen that that clip of him today that's good doing the, the circuit on no. Twitter where he walks out of the tunnel and he's basically walking out and, and the, the various um, comments have been, this is what you look like when you think you've left the iron on at home or this is what you look <laughs> like when you basically can't remember if you've locked the front door. He just And when he came on, I just thought he was very, very dopey. Mm. Um, and I just thought with 20 minutes to go, Spurs were out on their uppers. I would have put Hudson Adoy on. Now yeah. I'm not sort of blindly promoting this kid, but it's mm. getting it's really hacking me off. Yeah. Because I don't know whether he just doesn't like him, he just doesn't rate him. But every time I've seen him, he's looked all right. Yeah. Um, and I just thought last night we needed to do something because what we do. And I don't know why we do it. We go one up and we just sit back. Yeah. And we invited them on. Yeah. And they they weren't very good last night. And they were there for the taking. And we just didn't have that kill, killer instinct. And yeah. maybe we have to just accept that we're not actually that good at the moment. Um, and have been for a long time. I've gone completely off point here. But the fact is that I don't... Sorry, I'm still not happy with I'm just I think he's quite intransigent um, I I agree with what Queco says I mean he, he's cardinal sin and I think it's a sacking offence from day one he's playing Kante out of position you look at every single manager in the Premier League who on earth actually play him out of position but what I did think last night and we we you know, we coined him the Kante twins. Yes. I think he played out on the right and I think he played in his defensive position last yeah, he night. Did. I yeah. think he covered that much ground. I, I, and we I, are so lucky to have him. I, I thought, you know, he, he looks more more box to box than we could have ever imagined. Um, you know, and that's the way I'm uh, uh, sort of seeing it. I mean, I, 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 I thought when Hazard went off, we lost something last night. Um, I don't know whether Hazard was just knackered, whether he was saving him for Sunday... Um, he'd, he'd been kicked off the ball you, quite a few you, times last you night. You cannot take your best player off. Well, that's that unless, was, that was my view. And, and we, we lost something and we, we, we slowed down and we didn't have that. You know, Hazard worries, he worries the shit out of everybody um, that's in front of him. And, and Spurs were no less. And, and I, I talked to a Spurs fan, ironically, at work today. I tried to hunt him down a bit, obviously. Um, but I, I spoke to him today and he said the bit that for them. Was the, the sh- was when he took Son off because he'd been a trouble, you know. But our players obviously have got a bit of a, you know, a, a bit of a thing about him, um, and they took him off. And I think they brought, I can't remember if they brought more on at that point or whatever. But again, it looked like it was it was that kind of um, uh, fear factor had suddenly gone. Suddenly Son was off, and we were like, oh, okay then. Um, and and they had a similar thing with Hazard, and I, I imagine every one of the remaining thousand or so Tottenham fans after they started to disappear when Hazard went off must have thought, oh, 
you know, no one ever goes, oh no, they're bringing on William for Hazard or whatever it was that we did last night. So I think you're right. I think Cal Madsen Adoy would have given us that pace. He would have ran at their players, um, and like you said, they were out on their feet. Quicku, what do you think? I think um, just to go back to the original point about uh, with the players wanting to sit deeper. Um, that's fine, um, and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure the players are probably, this, you know, especially after playing two years under Conte, they're probably like that. But if you see the way that we play, um, you can see the, the form, the lines of formation are still exactly the same. You still got Kante playing on the right, going up and down. I think what, what, what has actually happened is there's been some some form of compromise which Sarri has ultimately decided on, which is, look, these players want to play deeper. I'll allow them to play deeper by allowing them to drop as a, as a unit. Because I think that the key is the way we drop back as a team. Um, it seems to be almost all all of the midfield and defensive line plus. Um, sometimes, sometimes even Pedro. If you look at how Pedro was almost box-to-box yesterday, um, all of them are dropping yeah. back as opposed to just um, the, the defensive line. But... Um, the, the the thing about all of this is that, and this will this will have to be Sari's the crit the major criticism. Sorry, why it took him so long to what to realise that something had to change. It, you know, it has taken nearly one, well, two months, three months of just batterings, which he saw coming at the start of the season. Because even when we were winning those games and we were good to watch, we were good value. We shouldn't forget that we were good value to watch. But we were so open; it was it was it was beyond belief. I mean, that's it was, why it was we never had... going to be long before we were found out, was it? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you saw the Arsenal game. I mean, you know, yeah. we we, we you know that could have that could have been four or five by half time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but the, but the th- the thing about it is that he he just didn't seem to he spotted it. He obviously said we need to play better. But the situation, the the, the point I really wanted to make on this podcast, and I, and I hope. I, I don't like singling players out as a rule um, because, you know, they're human beings. But I have to say, this issue with Jorginho has to be dealt with pretty pretty quickly because it's clear that the, when Sarri came, he wanted to play this way of playing football and all of it was going to be determined by uh, everything running through Jorginho. Now, he's obviously a good player. Um, you saw at the start of the season the things that he could do when he had time and space. But what was very, very clear to me, which is why I think one of the biggest, when we end up doing a season review, one of the things that should be said is one of the biggest mistakes we, we made was letting go of Chess Fabregas. Because Fabregas, I think, did, did the role better than Jorginho does. I thought he was outstanding at the start of the season. We were having some of our best results and best football when he came on. Um, but since then, Jorginho, I think, quite simply, either doesn't realise that he has to be fitter and quicker, or... He's, he, he just simply won't ever be at that level. I don't yeah. know which one it is. I think that's entirely up to the player and the manager to decide which one it is. But we, we have suffered because of the fact that he gives the ball away more, more than I think I've ever seen uh, any central midfielder in that role do. And he's not getting any quicker. Now, he's, a, he's an intelligent man. He's a good footballer. And I hope that, um, that if he, he, he has spotted this, he can take the obvious step which is to do everything about 50,000 times quicker than he does. And I'm not sure he can. I'm sure he can. Yeah. But... Yeah. Donald, what do you... Uh, you uh, do you think I'm... Do you think I'm onto something here with, uh, you know, collaboration or, or collaborative... Not coup, too strong a word, you know, but, boss, we ain't doing this anymore. Um, or are we seeing, you know, the, the players 
influenced by somebody saying, look, when Adam Grant was in charge of us, we just told him to bugger off and we got on with it. What do you think? Um, I can only speculate, I think, like most people, because we we don't really know. I, Going by what Sari has apparently said, I assume that he has listened to some concerns. Um, this whole idea of sitting deeper... I think the disadvantage of, of sitting deeper is is that um, although we weren't, we were hardly a goal scoring machine um, lately when attacking. Um, is that and it was noticeable last night. Is that by starting everything deeper, by everyone dropping back further, we you know we don't carry much of a threat getting into the box. You know, we've only ever got Higuain, maybe one other player getting into the box. We, we don't we don't have a fast break anymore because players are always looking round to to drop the ball back and so on. I would say I would say this. Um, whatever you think about Sarri, and and you know it's, it's it's modern football as far as I can see is possession possession football teams teams that are built around the possession game, such as Manchester City, such as ourselves. On Sunday, I thought we did to Manchester City what quite a lot of teams have done to us this season, and that is set up to defend, to defend deep, to be organised. And, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to think of any really great chances that City, you know, you could say the offside goal with Aguero, perhaps on another day that would have been yeah. given, but... But by and large, there were very few really cast iron charts. So I ended up at the end of the game thinking that that was, if you're City, that was like watching us toiling away against quite a few teams that we've toiled away against. Yeah. Because because when two big possession teams collide um, and we're not going with a high press the way Liverpool do against City, I yeah. mean, Klopp's way of playing City is is to break them up as high up the pitch as he can. Um, we sat deep. So we were that sort of formation that they ended up playing around the outside of us and looking for looking to get the ball into the box in little ones and twos, crossing the ball in, no one there to, you know, Louise and Rudiger heading it away. Yeah. And for me, it, it sort of, it typified the problem that, you know, City had that problem with us and we have that problem with a lot of teams. And it is one of those things that one of the risks you have with possession football is if you are a dominant possession team, a lot of teams are going to take the view that we're going to sit into a shell mm. and we're going to try and hit on the break. And obviously Man, City, Man United did that to us on the Monday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they sat in and hit us on the break. Bournemouth, yeah. you know... And, and it, it shouldn't. Ha- Whereas you can say, yes, you know, a team of Man United's ability can do that to you. You should be able to stop a team like Bournemouth doing it. Yeah. But you know, it. Uh, part of me thinks we never give anyone any time, uh, and he he has to have a season to decide. Well, how he's going to play yeah. to get used to Premier League football. Yeah. Jorginho and some of these other players. They need time to to yeah. adjust. So part of me thinks that I think we've been spoiled over the years <clears throat> by um, 
Ranieri built a reasonable team that finished second. Mourinho turned up, tuned it up, and won yeah. in his first season. Ancelotti inherited a team which still had a very good core and won a double in his first season. And then Conte turned up, um, appeared yeah. to be inheriting a, an ever-weakening team, made some adjustments, had the good fortune not to be playing in Europe, etc., and won a league. So we almost assume that a change of manager should guarantee us immediate success. It, it, it's the, the right. second, third year yeah. that, that causes us a problem. I, I, we're, we're bred to believe no. that as I soon think, as someone turns up here, they're going to change things and we're going to win stuff. Yeah, and yeah. that that is not really how it works. No, the drop off, the drop off in execution, um, I think, is the is the is the key point here because the the reason why, despite how poor we were defensively at the start of the season, the reason why we were doing so well is because the the execution of the passing was really, really, really good. We passed quickly and we moved quickly, and that's why people like Hazard were were enjoying themselves the way they were enjoying themselves. The massive difference around the Christmas period and to now. Um, which changed again on Wednesday, um, is that uh, we all of a sudden started, not only were we defending badly as we had done previously, we just started passing the ball and and moving about 50,000 times slower. And that's the reason why we were just getting spanked, because we we were ponderous, we started slowly, and it just didn't improve. You could could turn away from, from, from from the pitch or from your TV set if you're watching it on TV, come back 15 minutes later and you could almost have predicted every single pass that would have been made in that time. Yeah. And you would know that we wouldn't have any chance of scoring. So and that we, it, it, but you're using the same 15, 16 players for five or six months. Um, you're, you're taking on a European schedule, etc., etc. You, you can't, and I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to, to excuse it because basically you should probably rotate a bigger squad. But, you know, Sarri is known for, you know, using a fairly small squad, as I understand it. He did at Napoli and has done in the past. You know, particularly when you've got the heavy Christmas schedule as well, which he wouldn't have had experience of before. I'm not excusing it, but in many ways, that sort of staleness stroke fatigue will creep into it. It creeps into every team. It's how you deal with it. And Chelsea didn't deal with it very well for for whatever reason. Plus the fact that by November, teams are starting to suss out ways of playing. They they realise that you you sit on Jorginho. They realise that you 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 hit the vertical balls into the the, the tram lines between you know the the midfield holding players who are not very good tacklers, such as Ko, Kovacic and Jorginho, and and you're straight onto the to the defence. And you know, to me, we're either going to sack him because we don't like him, we don't think he's up to it, fair enough. Or we're going to sack him because, as usual, we don't give anyone more than six months to to really do it. You know, that's... Yeah. I mean, the, the the mad panic that went on with Conte when we lost to Arsenal, you know, had he not had he not sorted that out for another month, we'd all wanted him gone. You know, it's... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to bring you in in a minute on this one, Clayton, because I, 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 I personally... Um, I mean, I thought the way we treated Conte was, was, was shabby. Um, I think Conte's complaints um, when he asked for players and they were rejected now look justified. He was basically saying, we've won the league. If you want us to kick on, 
you need to get, you know, we need we need to strengthen the squad, and and, and we didn't to the degree that we we should have done. Um, uh, because we've got this daft over thirties policy, which is discriminatory, um, and he's basically saying to anyone over thirty, you're going to get a year maximum. It's bollocks, that is. I mean, like, there are there are thirty three, thirty four year old players out there that would still strip the arse off an eighteen year old. Um, Do you remember Gary McAllister? Well, yes. What he did for Liverpool when he was thirty six. Exactly, and and it, and also it, it dismisses football intelligence. And John Terry was never the fastest defender in the world. He didn't need to be because he knew where he had to be. He could read the game. So Clayton, I'm going to bring you in here because um, I, I I I didn't want Sarri. I I was prepared to give him a chance. I've now constantly said that the emperor has is, has no clothes. Um, he may well now be draped in a slightly. Um, transparent see-through negligee or something because you know we've turned in mean, a couple of good games um, uh, what, if it was you if you were the owner of the club if it was down to you what would you be doing would you be saying give him till the end of the season get shot now and get Zidane's signature ready to go for next season and we'll just live in the rim or whatever I'm just interested in your, your view of what you said because I personally despite last night despite Sunday have seen zero progress from where we've been? Um, I think that where we are at the moment is a, a culmination of short-termism. And if you look at our squad, if you look at the, the way the board is, if you look at the manager we've hired... This is all, for me, indicative of doing things on the hoof with no plan. Now, we have, because there's been a huge amount of money, and if you buy the best, which we basically got with Jose, with Carlo, with Conte, you're going to win stuff because those managers are fantastic. Every single one of those guys got shafted. Now, I'm not saying that... um, Certainly, Jose and Conte didn't contribute to their own downfall because they did. But a lot of that was frustration. You know, Conte should have had the squad strengthened. The board apparently said, you won the league at a canter. You don't need what you said you need, which was rubbish. Uh, It happened to Mourinho twice, probably. Um, Carlo was shafted. Yep. And these are three of the greatest managers this club will ever have. And they were basically treated appallingly. So we've arrived at Sari. Who chose him? I've got absolutely no idea. But the whole lack of a director of football, and I know that people say, oh, it's all glib to say you need a director of football. There is no plan at the club. There is absolutely no plan. Who knows? You know, if they get rid of Sari, I don't know. I know it's idealistic, I know it's fanciful and it may lead to a lot of trouble but I would give him till the end of the season um, and then I'd get rid of him. I'd bring in Frank and Jody Morris. I think one of the worst things was, and I think it would have helped Sarri enormously uh, and I don't know the whole dynamics of it if Jody Morris would have stayed here and they would have offered him an assistant manager job here rather than him going off with Frank. I don't yeah. know what the dynamics were. I don't know whether that was offered. Mm. I think that we need somebody in, and I, I know I'm being naive because obviously Frank will have only managed a championship team for a year. 
But the point is, um, Solskjaer's managed in Norway. And, um, you know, what he's doing is utilising the resources. He and understands Cardiff. And Cardiff. And Cardiff. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's in Norway, isn't it? <laughs> um, I'm just going to write our apology letter to our to, Welsh to listener. Our, to our Cardiff listeners. Yes. Steady on, Sir, um, Harry, Sir Harry Seacombe is looking down <laughs> and not approving of yeah. those types of comments. Thank I, you very I much. Do, I do apologise. I do apologise. Please accept my grovelling apology. Um, and I'm really happy you beat us in the rugby on Saturday. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> I, I would go with Frank and Jody for two reasons. Frank ha- will have the kudos of, here are my medals. You do what I say. You know? Yeah. Jody will basically know every single youth academy player and will know strengths and weaknesses. And those two will not be afraid to bring in those youth players and play them. The whole Hudson-Odoi thing is ridiculous. And I'm not, I'm not saying this just because Bayern are willing to pay £35 million for him or whatever yeah, they yeah. were. The guy is a talent. And I don't get the Pedro William thing. You know, I mean, Sarri has already come out and said, oh, I can't play Hudson-Odoi until I sell one of Hazard, William or Pedro. Mm. Now, Pedro was absolutely brilliant last night. He was. And I can guarantee you, if he plays on Sunday, he'll be he'll play like a toilet because he cannot string two performances together. Yeah, Williams the same; they're interchangeable. Try something different. The way that he has treated Gary Cahill, Thank absolutely you. inexcusable. A- absolutely. You know, oh, I'm going to jump in after of, you finish here because I've got a, a lot on that one. A couple of the games where we were getting absolutely hammered, if he would have had Cahill on the bench, just brought him on calm things down, sort things out. Absolute. Why would you just basically completely disregard somebody who's given so much to the club? Danny Drinkwater. I, I'm sorry, but there must have been times this season where he could have used Danny Drinkwater. Mm. Now, I know players, sort of managers have favourites, etc. But the sheer intransigence of this guy, and, and he's not helping himself. So I, I mean that that's that's my view. Yeah, I don't so, think he's good enough. I, I started my my first thing point was it. So is 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 Sari toast? Uh, I I was quite. I, I found myself, um, and it, it, this is definitely a, a more sanguine approach that I've had in general since we won the Champions League because I feel like I've I've seen everything you know. And there's so anything we we win or do now is a bonus. Um, number one, I think when uh, I remember when AVB started to marginalise Terry and Lampard. And I also remember Rafa Benitez doing exactly the same thing, more so with JT, right? I remember the absolute vitriol that was lobbed at them for the way they were treating club heroes, even if they were probably starting to just not, you know, weren't at their peak at that point or whatever. And then you get this treatment of Gary Cahill, a man who basically played a Champions League final on one leg, okay, and David Luiz on his other leg, okay, to win and to see us through. They, they, you know, they were proper worries. Gary Cahill made a dreadful mistake two seasons ago, I think, um, when we were playing um, Liverpool, okay, I seem to remember he made a terrible mistake, and he was utterly devastated on the pitch, and you thought, Christ, is he going to come back from this? And he did, and he came back stronger, 
and he picked himself up and he's an absolute role model and you know the patronising he's the club captain but we'll give the captaincy to Azpilicueta now I love Azpilicueta as a player but as a captain I think he's an absolute shocker um, you know his comments on Sunday post-match for those who were watching on the telly when they asked him about the Kepa thing was I didn't see what happened I was on the other side of the pitch you're the fucking captain why weren't you over there? Why weren't you the man standing there with Sarri saying, is this what you really want? Um, and I, I think Cahill would have done that. Uh, and I just think it's it's a terrible, terrible way to treat a very loyal servant. And, and not even to put him on the bench. Not even in a, a, a kind of League Cup game. Or against the Swedish Fulham. Whatever. I just think it's a really, really bad thing. So, But I'm with you, I think. The point of your saying was, I said it on the fan cast the other night, there is no point in sacking him now because you're not going to get the Solskjaer effect. It's too late, right, to, 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 to have that kind of impact on it. You know, United struck at the right time when they sacked Mourinho and Solskjaer, um, I think it was described on Five Live this morning, as he has said to the players, I've been given an opportunity here and I'm sharing that opportunity with you. So you now have the opportunity to go and do what you do best for this football club. It's quite a simple philosophy that seems to have turned into gold. I don't think we can do that now. And I think, but ultimately, pragmatically, if we don't win the Europa League, if we don't get fourth place, he has to go, doesn't he? Kweku. Uh, Mm. You've stunned. You've stunned him. I've with stunned your, him into silence. I with your oratory. Yeah, I think he's gone on to mute. He, I think he's probably eating a, a sandwich or something. Or he's your rhetoric. Had, he's had your a kebab. Rhetoric has stunned Let's him. try you, Donald. Do you think? I think. Can you hear me, guys? Oh yes, yes. Sorry, sorry. Quick, my, 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 I, I was, I was yeah. off mute and then I went back on mute. Uh, um, I think I, I was actually stunned because we have this conversation every bloody year. Um, in exactly the same way as to why we're not in the Champions League after, you know, a season after we've, uh, you know. But um, to, be, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm absolutely with all of you about this treatment of, of Cahill. Um, I, it's something that stinks in football generally. Um, you know, it's not just us. Um, the idea that because you want to get rid of a player, you just, you just exile him. And, you know, you pretend that he doesn't even exist at a time when you're conceding virtually two goals a game. It, it, for me, just is just it, it's yes. symptomatic of how mental football uh, is. Um, uh, to be quite honest with you, I'm not really sure about people like Danny Drinkwater, but once you're in a squad, you, you have a role to play. But as for Cahill, um, when you're looking at a situation where I, I, I've got to be honest with you, um, I always thought that David Luiz should have been given the captaincy. Yeah. I, I think it should have been given to somebody who was still in that generation of players who knew what it was to be a Chelsea player who wins things. Um, when it was given to Cahill, I wasn't so keen, but at least he was in that generation. He was, he was a Munich. He was a Munich man. So he knows what it is to play in a Champions League final when he was injured, when uh, we were playing away in a, in a, in a, in a, in a stadium where um, we weren't expected to win. He knows that, that Chelsea mentality of, of coming away from difficult places and winning. For him to be treated the way he was treated, uh, the way he has been treated, is not just stupid, it's incredibly disrespectful. Yeah. And I, I, always, I think the same has to also go for, for Fabregas, who I mentioned earlier. Yes. Because um, we're in a situation where the midfield has been virtually like a sieve 
for um, most of the season. Here we had a guy who's one of the best passers in the league, um, who linked up with our best player, uh, Hazard, perfectly, and who was who basically was executing Sarri ball better than, than some of the players that Sarri has brought in himself. So we're not, there's not been much logic there this season. I think we can all agree. Um, but what do we do about it? Where are we now? And I think what we have to hope is that at the end of the season, Sarri might look back, reflect on what's happened this season and come up with some new ideas. And, I, and to be honest with you, I, I, we said this, in 2017, I remember the exact it was summer 2017, we had this potting shed. And we said at the time, we are running out of managers to hire. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, did. we are. Yeah, and we, we, we've, we've, run, we've run out of the Champions League winners because we haven't been able to get well, Guardiola. Barzidane. Uh, well, Zidane's an interesting one, actually, because he's obviously there's a dynamic between him and Hazard. And what languages does he speak? the majority of the of the languages that the Chelsea squad speaks, French and Spanish. If yeah. you just go across the back line, you'll, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about yeah. and into the midfield and up front. So that's an interesting call. But in all honesty, I really think as a club, everybody, including the manager, would be better served to spend just one season reflecting what's gone on and then seeing if we can have a second season correcting those problems. Because, as I said, I... Don't, I Ideally, I would love Frank and Jody here. But you know exactly what would happen. If things go wrong, three months in, four months in, then there'd be, there's going to be the clamour that, well, we hired him too soon and then yeah, this yeah, and that. Yeah. And then he's gone. Do, and then what do, do you, you not do you not think they get more leeway? I, I'm convinced it, they get more leeway. I, 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 think, I really I am so. because, because so, of who they are. Yes, but the time is not now. We want Frank at a time when he's blooded himself properly at Derby, he's a proper manager. We don't want him. We don't want to take him in um, a season after, well, not even a full season after he's just started in management. Things go wrong, and you know we're a difficult club to manage. You know the politics of the club. You know what people will be briefing to the press if if there's a result, bad result here and a bad result there, and then we ruin what could be something beautiful in about two to three years. Because as as uh, I, I, I forget who said it, but if you look at Jody, he knows that you squad inside out. Can you imagine him taking Hudson Odoi aside and saying, "Listen, we can make you a player here. You don't have to go to Bayern Munich. You can stay here. You know that I'm the assistant manager. You know that we believe in you. We know that I've yeah. managed you at youth level. You know what I can do with you. We, you know, and Frank also with his reputation, you know the the, the, the kind of respect you'd have at the club. But let us do that at the right time." Because if we do it now and we get it wrong, we will just continue on this cycle. And we're not only run out of Champions League and World Cup winning managers, we'll run out of ex-legends too. So let's, for me, I'd rather, whether we finish in the top four or not, because we're at a stage where a lot of big clubs are not going to be in the top four these days because there's six of them trying to get into four positions. I would rather we use this summer, wherever we finish, to really think about what has gone on in the last five years without making any more big decisions. Because otherwise, we will be locked in this this cycle. This comes down to what what Clayton said about planning. If you've got a director of football like City have got um, Begisteran and and, and, uh, I can't remember who it is. is, is, I suppose they seem to have this long-term 
planning ethos, you know, that it's about getting somewhere eventually, and that they they kind of stick to it. Was because we've had this chaos model, haven't we? We've had this disruptor model. Yeah, change the manager every two years, buy some players, stick them in, have an academy which is bringing in revenue. Uh, I, the, my 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 problem is, is I think that's that model's spent. I think that's been found out, sussed out, and actually, I, and I get that. My my point was was you know so uh, it was the Huddersfield game. I turned up, I went to the stall. Tim Rolls was there and a few other people, whatever. And the first words Tim Rolls had a chat. Hey, doing Tim and all this. How was it? I think it was after the book. Well, must have been after the Bournemouth I think, whatever. And he said to me, he said he's lost the away fans. He's lost the away fans. Now once you've lost a group of fans, the away fans almost impossible to get it back because the next defeat which it will be an inevitable defeat the same old fears the same old rancor and everything that will rise again okay and then he lost the home fans there's no question that the chanting against Sarri at the Man United game was pretty virulent you know you can shove Sarri ball at your ass or whatever it was they were singing and my, I just take this view that you can say two years we, we need to give him to the end of the season if if we don't qualify for the Champions League next year, I think that's the first time we'll have not qualified for two consecutive seasons since Roman took over. You can go and check that, but I think we've pretty much qualified every single year, bar the year Conti took over, Okay, when he took over a team that wasn't in Europe, and this will be the second season. Now, the problem that brings with it is A, attracting the players that you want, you're not going to do this just based on kids, no matter how good they are. And the second thing you're going to have is keeping them. Keeping some of the players you want. Hazard, I would give him the keys to fucking Stanford Bridge to keep him. Okay, and he's a humble guy. But, Real Madrid come calling, who knows. And then, Kante... But Tony, it, you've, you've got to throw in this, this particular well, dynamic, which is the fact that we have those transfer window bans. And that will change a well, lot. Well, if we appeal Because that, we're not going to be... Yeah. Yeah, if but we even appeal, if we appeal, we will it, certainly. It only, yeah, well, if we it appeal, only goes we down certain, one window. It only yeah. goes down one window. Yeah, usually. But, it, but also we would still have this summer because by the time the appeal has gone in and lodged, we would still get this summer to do some business. My view, the reason I was touting Sedan, although I would quite happily accept Simeone simply because I'd love us to be a shit out of team again or whatever, and one that put fear into other teams instead of you know, which is what we've seen the last couple of days. That aggression, that arguing with the ref, that fucking getting in the faces of other players is something that we've we've missed right um okay uh, clayton's gonna have to go in a minute so clayton if you want to drop off now thanks very very much mate your time you're is much very appreciated, welcome all right um the three of us will carry on sailing the ship bravely without you and i hope to see you at the ground so we can have a chat at half time or maybe even in a pub and have a beer. all right mate Take care. Cheers. Thank you very much. Um, So, I'm taking this point of view that actually, um, you know, Roman won't accept uh, unless unless Roman's got other plans. And let's face it, he's not been at the ground all season. He has 90 days um, on his Israeli citizenship that he can spend in the country, and he has not spent a day in this country. So I'm looking at this and thinking. If you're Zidane, if you get Zidane, if you if you were Marina and Roman and that, you think, well, we can get Zidane, he can learn English, he's not stupid, uh, patently not a stupid man. You are suddenly well, what, what's, what's, what's it going to take to bring Zidane? It's going to take an enormous amount of money, yeah, isn't well, it? Yeah, but, but has that ever been an issue, really? I mean, we're not spending the money on the ground now, because uh, obviously um, it seems that Earl's court 
has gone come to a grinding halt what is that was ever happening there and the big rumour of course is we've gone back and said you know we can build a ground there for 400 million and then sell Stanford Bridge afterwards and we don't have to go and play at someone else's ground but the other the other rumour is also that um, that uh, we are still in the process of uh, um, of that redevelopment um, of Stanford Bridge yeah, and possibly. It, will get, it will get back and running as yeah. soon as the, the dust has settled yeah but I think you know it, it, there was obvious reasons it, was, it wasn't a surprise that he pulled the plug on it temporarily after being refused by a government that was being vindictive as far as I was concerned the same but yeah, it was also it was also it was also scheduled to cost over a billion quid yes I think so yeah no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I no. think but I think cost wise uh, I know it's going off the point I think the redevelopment of Stamford Bridge at the sort of money realistically that it's going to yeah. take, I think that takes it off the table for good. Yeah. I just and don't I, see anyone being able to realistically put that sort of money exactly. into a construction well, project. Yeah, but the, the this, thing is, there are many ways you can, you can finance it. So, yeah. And there is, um, this, yeah. there is this strong, you know, room. Yeah, but, but a billion, over a billion pounds yeah. to spend on a stadium that you're increasing the... You know, well, basically, it, it you're increasing the, the, the corporate and you're increasing the crowd well, by twenty. But, but it, it's it's not just that. It's it's number. Well, if you want to make the financial case for it, um, then obviously it's a long term thing. But it, it's also the fact that we're now in a situation where, for the actual, uh, I hate this word, for the actual brand of the club, it, it needs to happen uh, because yeah. we are we are in a situation yes. where Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool, yes, Newcastle, Man United. I mean, I I, I could go on. We'll mm. have massively bigger stadiums than yeah. us and will be able to present themselves which, which in, is, in, in a different we way. Sort of straight off, but that's the point I'm making. Is, is but, that with the... but clo- closing your stadium down, and if as as Tottenham has shown and, and as Wembley showed, unless you get the right contractor in exactly the right conditions, managed with the right programme and with people not constantly changing the design as the project goes along. So at a minimum, you're talking three years. Yeah. Well, and you're digging, you're, you're digging a bowl. Uh, I just, gonna... I, I don't see how no. financially. Well, that, that's why we're not. We're not. So I don't see how it, it will sorry, never make financial. I'm going to jump in and, and say that actually, the, 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 the there is Earl's Court development has stopped. Okay, for whatever reasons. Mm. Now, if we've gone back and said we, we we'll pick that up. It, a, it's a better station. There's better pubs around there, and there's more streets for the exits to go out onto, and you can build a stadium and carry on playing at Stamford Bridge, and then make a mint out of Stamford Bridge, okay, and you more or less cover your costs, I would imagine, of the new stadium by the amount of real estate that you could put on Stamford Bridge and sell it for. Now, my point being that, yes, this dam might cost a lot of money, but we're not spending the money we were spending on the stadium, and actually, Zidane, as as Kweku said, has got this kind of a, a, a link into Hazard, but also, you know, there is not a player in that dressing room who could look they could be looking at Sarri. This is my problem with Sarri a little bit. Was, um, you know, you've got a team of trophy-winning players, two World Cup winners. You know, uh, you've got this vast array of of talent in the club that only two years ago won the league, and people are saying the players are too old. They don't care. Which I'm not having that. Right. I've had this argument in the old days of the Podding Shed when I was basically told, you know, you never ever, you're not going to get rid of the players. It's always going to be the manager that that, that, that takes the, the stick. And then you look at these players, looking at Sarri, okay, and then suddenly you, you offer them Zidane, a man who has won every single fucking trophy there is to win at every level as a player and a manager. In fact, sorry, not as a manager because he hasn't won the World Cup as a manager. 
okay mm. that's hard to argue and it exactly goes with, with Clayton's point that you suddenly have, you have Frank in there who can get his medals out and say that's me this is where I've come from right now let's go from there and I think that's the big point and I think players instinctively will look at a father figure character like Sarri and still think you're telling me how to do something I've done really good but better okay uh, and they are arrogant players. That they you don't get to that level without being arrogant. I think, um, or you give them um, uh, someone like Zidane, who they are going to look at and think, "Well, shit, I can't not listen to this guy, can I?" Apart from his his, his ability at heading people, um, you know. Mm. Uh, but I, that, that's what I just think. But I don't think getting rid of Sarri makes any sense at all now because we are not going to get that Solskjaer effect no matter what we do if we left Zola in charge he might say thank Christ he's gone now go out and play football there aren't enough games left you know well, we, yeah. if, if we I'm, I'm, not win, sure, if, I'm not sure Zola's, Zola's no no but I'm saying a, but he, the manager doesn't no, really but he may he may well be just the release of you know the players from no the but I, 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 don't I don't know think the, I don't think the issue is because I don't think the issue is necessary. I, I just think the, the actual issues that we are playing, we are, well, uh, up until uh, recently, we were playing a style of football that was not suited for this league. And it was being played in a way that did not respect the fact but, that this, lead is, this league is played at a certain pace. And exactly. I think that's all it is. Exactly. Um, you know, the fact is, Serie A is played at, what, I don't know, uh, three quarters of the speed. To, you know, I don't know, but it's certainly nowhere near. You... you in Serie A, you do not have people absolutely three on to one player. You don't have them crowded out like that. It is uh, more, I don't know, languid. It is a, it is a different pace of game. Okay, um, Italian football has always been like that. They've never done a kick and rush kind of thing. And in this country, if you're playing the likes of Huddersfield, yeah, if they decide to, and as Bournemouth did, if they decide to fuck about with you for 45 minutes or let you fuck about with the ball knowing that you're having trouble scoring goals and then they think right now get on Giorgino and stop him playing and we're in which is exactly what happened I, I think that's that was what worries me is when a man sits in front of a, a, a press conference and says I can't motivate the players or I don't think I can motivate the players or maybe the players can't be motivated by me and then says there is no plan B because until plan A works, I'm not even going to look at a plan B. You know, big rumours that he doesn't research the opponents. And Wenger was a, a bugger for, 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 for not really worrying too much about the opponents because he had such a faith in his philosophy. Uh, I mean, I, I think there was the, the, the thing, there, there was a lot of stupidity. And I don't know whether some of it um, was translation or whether, but he seems to be a fairly intelligent guy, so I don't think it was. Some of it may, may have been stubbornness. But either way, um, you see, I'm not. I, I, I have no problem with, with his basic idea of play. It's because it, it's basically what is, is, is the dominant mode of football these days. Liverpool and, and Man City play it. They play uh, a possession-based, high-tempo passing game. That's fine. But the thing is, you actually have to have possession and play at high tempo. If you don't do one of those things, it doesn't work. And his mistake was, and I hate picking this guy out, because maybe one day he could be an absolute legend. And at the start of the season, when nobody was pressing him, or rather, in my opinion, when the rest of the sides weren't as fit as we were at that time, um, he was fine. But you cannot play this way with... A, I mean, it's so... I find it embarrassing that I'm actually having to say this, that sides know that you press in on our midfield and that's how you beat us. 
It's not rocket science. This is not a, a revelation. This is something we've known for four months. And how we've not addressed that situation, I find incredible. And I think if he, in his quiet moments, especially after the way we played recently, I wonder how much he's kicking himself to realise that Jorginho passes the ball and moves the ball about five or, five or six seconds too slowly. So I wonder whether when all of this melodrama has calmed down, in the quiet of the summer, there's no World Cup, there's no European Championship, whether he can sit down and say, right, this is what I wanted to do, and I don't think I executed it properly at all. Now, here's a summer. I've got an entire summer with these players. Let me get either the right players that I need or organise the team sufficiently to be able to stop making the mistakes that we made because they're, they're not difficult mistakes. It's not like the Conte situation where there were a whole series of things that we're all interlinking. This is a very simple thing. We know that we have to play this uh, league at a certain pace. We don't play it at a certain pace. We know that we need to have all of the team uh, um, um, coming back defensively to support um, to support what is a back four. We know that we have to do that. So hopefully, now that we've seen that it works against good sides, we just execute it. But one thing I'm I'm worried, and I I I I really think we need to stop at this particular moment in time, to think about is what it is that we actually need as a club. Because it's not just about changing the manager, because we've done that. There are other fundamental things that we have to, we have to deal with, whether we're going to keep Hazard, we need to deal with what Pulisic is going to bring to the team, we need to deal with the Hudson-Odoi situation, we need to deal with uh, what reinforcements we're going to be able to bring in, uh, and whether the transfer ban is going to affect that. There are a whole series of things that need to be dealt with calmly. And much as I would one day like Frank and Jody, ideally, to come back and to, to, to leave this club, because it's, it, it's what we all want as football romantics... I think there are a whole load of things that need to be sorted out for that to ultimately work when the time comes. And I, I'm not afraid of not being in the Champions League because, no, quite you're frankly... No, you're not, but Roman might be. He, he might be, but it's, it's a bit late for that now. If he was worried about that, he should have bought us the, 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 uh, the, you know, the, the striker that we needed at the start of the season. So we have to deal with where we are. We've got six teams trying to compete for four places. Two of them are not going to get in. So what I'd rather do is build ourselves into a situation whereby we stop this uh, almost like a, a, a ECG type form, you know, one season up, one season down, one season up, one season down, by getting ourselves some kind of plan, some kind of strategy that we can, we can execute for the next two to three. I'm not talking five, six years, because that doesn't exist in football, but at least for the next two to three years, mm. where we can get ourselves addressing the issues that have been going on for about two to three years. But there's, there's um, no, there's no evidence. There's no evidence in the last eight to nine years that there's anyone in the club even vaguely close to thinking that way. Well, because we've not had a director of football since how long? Yeah, and um, when are we going to have a director of football? Well, have that's you seen one of the things. Have you seen any evidence at all? Yeah, you well, may I, say that. Well, but have you my... seen any evidence from the club yeah, that they is... have changed their thinking in any way, shape, or form yeah. so, this season? So have, you, have you had any, any any inkling or seen anything about the way Chelsea is run that makes you think I, I this you, summer I, there'll be a revolution? I, t- I tell you what I, I tell you what I what I have seen. We've we've I mean Tony will know more about him that we've changed our CFO. We're in a situation where um, we've also changed the manager. Roman is not 
available. Well, he, he never really was, in all honesty, because he does most of this stuff through Bruce Buck and all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this will probably be the first summer we've had in, in a while where we have some reasonable uh, stability um, at board level, even at board level. So I'd rather we take that time for everybody to sit, get their heads together and say, look, we have had a season where even if we do finish in the top four, we've had a almighty scare. So what is it that we need? What, um, we don't have a World Cup to worry about. We don't have... Uh, but you know, but what, may, what makes you think they're actually going to sit down and do this? Because they have no, because they don't, because they don't have any other uh, priorities in the way they would have had last season or the season before. Because but, it really, but, really, but they're, they're they're not a group of people who have ever, in my experience, looking in from the outside, sat there and structured their approach to the football club in the way that you're you're saying they should. I, I, I I'm not disagreeing that you yeah. that you shouldn't do it this way. What I'm saying is, if we are hanging our hat on Chelsea Football Club, sitting down, having a long look at themselves, appointing a director of football, deciding what to do with their loan policy, their youth policy, and various other things, at a time when, from some sources, we understand that Roman may well be looking for a buyer. I, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see. I mean, I'll, I'll be, I'll be grateful and happy if they do it i don't see anything happening other than more rumors swirling around all summer about roman abramovich and whether he's going to sell the club or not we'll see another summer where perhaps sari gets sacked perhaps Sarri's given another year we'll all be sitting there looking at long lists of all these expensive and um, exciting players that half of us have never heard of being listed out by people with vast sums of money next to their names, none of whom will turn up. And so it will go on and we'll start another well, season. Well, well, there, because there's that's a couple the way of, it's always been. There, 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 no, I think, I think, I don't, I don't quite agree with that. I think we do plan, but I think we're one of the most schizophrenic clubs the world has ever seen. We plan and then we panic. So if you look at the way we hire managers, we usually hire the right people. We, we hired Mourinho at just the right time when, when he was leaving Real Madrid. We got, we, we got two good seasons out of him when we eventually won the title. We, we built towards winning a title in the second season. We then hired uh, Conte at just the right time, exactly what we needed, won the title in his first season. The issue with us is not necessarily our, our, our decisions um, in terms of planning. It's whether we ever see plans through. So if we um, take Mourinho, for instance, that third season, we all know that we needed to refresh the squad. Same with Conte. We all knew that we needed to refresh the squad. But somehow we make a decision over picking a manager who we think knows what he's doing. And then when it comes to it, we don't back that manager with what he actually needs. And that's where the issue lies. It's not necessarily the, the initial decision. It's following that initial decision through. And that's where we keep running into trouble because... Ultimately, that's the reason why the pattern is always the same, that you hire a manager, you get him to win you the league, and then you sack him as soon as things start going wrong. Whereas at other clubs, what they would do is that they would say, this is our manager, okay? We know that there are going to be some teething problems. Maybe it'll go well instantly, maybe it won't. We know there are going to be some teething problems, but we will give him, a bit like Klopp at Liverpool, you've got three to four years. Whatever you do in the first year is entirely up to you. But 
this is where we want to be in year three. And that's where you get your progression. The problem with us is that we, we pick the guy who we want, but then we never, ever let him see it through. It'd be all right if we were sacking these guys after, you know, three to four years or there was a Mourinho situation where, you know, he's just burnt his bridges with all the players. But when the manager comes to you, who's just won you a title or has delivered something to you, we're not talking about Surrey here, but we're talking about the other managers. And he says to you, this is what I need to continue the work that I've just done. And then you don't give it to him. Can you ever be surprised that they're, they're, they're problems the following season? I think what we need to do is maybe we're going to have to do this in adversity this time. We're going to have to say, what do we need in order to see this plan through? We give it two to three years and then we see where we are at the end of that. Because otherwise, that's why this cycle keeps repeating. Go and hire another manager. Unless they get a, uh, a title or, or even these days finish in the top four, then we bin them. Then we get another one. And there's never it's not a question of having continuity for continuity's sake. It's about choosing what you want as a plan and having enough courage to see that plan through. That's all it is. That's all it is. But they've, they've never shown themselves to have the courage to see a plan through. Or you could say that they've, they, they have been clever enough to have got rid of people like um, AVB and Scolari when it was obvious they couldn't do it and therefore they'll do the same to Sarri. But again, it will just be, you know, if Zidane came, why would Zidane come? He's only ever managed one club. And he managed that club for two years. And that was a club where he knew everybody. He knew the players. He'd been managing the the, uh, the youth setup or whatever and stepped up. So he's never managed anyone outside of Real Madrid. Well, exactly. So, so there, there's a risk in taking him on. So there, are, there are risks all over the place. But the question Brendan, is... Rod, yeah. Brendan Rodgers has now signed with, with Leicester. So that's another top manager gone. You know, who are we going, <laughs> who, who are we going to bring in? You're at that you know, point. I mean, I, I, I've. I'm not saying that there aren't good coaches no, and good managers not, out there, but and and there'll be I good, just, good lists. I, 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 but I, I, I just, wanted, I don't disagree I, with you, Cracker. I just don't see a a reason for your optimism that suddenly that group of people who um, work that club with Roman basically telling what he wants. I don't see how their DNA is suddenly going to change. I, and they're going to become this this non-reactive, forward-thinking, calm, will will take the pain for two seasons type organisation. But, but I'm, I'm not even I'm not do. even looking at their I'm not even looking at their their DNA. I'm just looking at the actual circumstances they're in. We are running out of managers to hire, and quite frankly, if you go to Frank and Jody right now, um, let's say you go to them. Okay, forget right now. Let's say you go to them in May. If you're honestly, if you're Frank Lampard and you're Jody Morris, would you really want to take this job a year after you started management, knowing that you could be sacked after less than a year and that you're, you'd have to then rebuild your career from there? If I was Frank Lampard, honestly, as, even as a Chelsea supporter, I would turn around to the club and say, come back to me in a couple of years. Yeah, well, I always, I always said that Robert, Robbie Di Matteo should have uh, walked up to Roman Abramovich immediately after getting that Champions League and saying, I'm off. Because he could have gone to any club. Yeah. Come and, you come so and get me I, when I you want me again. I don't and then walk out the door. And I, I, do, I do think that, I mean, I, I've said it before, um, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Simeone simply because he looks like a villain from Narcos. 
and I just think that yeah. put the fear of God. But the, but, but the, the problem with the problem with someone like Simeone is that it's again it's the same sort of pattern. Yes, his, it is. His method of management yes. lasts you for about two or three seasons. But, well, he's done. And then, he's done. He's done what six, seven years now at Atletico Madrid, and I I think with him, the, the thing I like about him um, is that. It's about you know he he's he seems to have a, a sort of steeliness and a, and, and a, a kind of winning thing about him. I I, I just I, I don't know. I I, I really. But again, and again, it's Tony, a very pedantic thing. Was, but it's a why would Simeone leave? Why would well, Simeone leave Atletico Madrid? So, but, so, so then, Dono, you're answering your own question in, in effect because what is what you're actually saying is that regardless of how our, our board go about things, they don't really actually have any choice because the kind of options they'd want in order to replace Sari don't exist, either because they would refuse the job or because it's just too soon for them. So you're, you're by, de- by, um, uh, by dint of, of, of logic, you're basically stuck in a situation where you might actually have to just see your plan through. Yeah, and I, I don't... I don't they, they, they are not... They are not going to act logically. They will. They if they get rid of Sari, they will have someone else. It might be one of these big names. It might be one of these other people who who are very popular. That, but we've just said that these big names. I mean, honestly, if you're a big name manager right now, um, and even take City the way City handled Guardiola, if you're a big name manager now, and Chelsea come knocking, well, right? Yeah. I mean, what would you, why would you, I mean, honestly, it's our club, but let's be honest, why would you want to go there? Yeah. And not only that, it's at a time when they're not even the Champions League either. No. So why would you, why would you say, right, do you know what, I'm going to leave Atletico Madrid, or I'm going to leave whatever big club these manage, uh, the manager we'd want would be at, and I'm going to go into a, into a club that but doesn't have a director of football, I, doesn't I, I have still... a plan, doesn't have, uh, it probably would have lost Hazard but, at that I, point, I, I, unless I, we can do something magical, and then I'm going to be sacked yeah. after half a season, I'm, because I'm, I'm not, I'm, yeah. Sorry, I'm going to jump in, I'm going to move on. All I'm going to say is, is that I don't think Sarri will survive a failure to qualify for the Champions League this season. I think that would have been his only target. I don't think he would have been targeted with anything else other than Champions League football because I don't think the club, um, as much as they might want to think they can live two years without the Champions League revenue, it's 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 as much about the kudos that that gives you, the ability to attract footballers, the ability to keep footballers you've got. And they go, well, Canty would never go because he's, you know, he drives a mini. What the fuck has that got to do with it? If <laughs> PSG or Real Madrid come in with a £120 million offer for uh, N'Golo Canty, he'll go. That five-year contract will mean nothing, right? Because he will be offered, come and play in the Liga, Champions League football, Put yourself on the big stage, uh, you know. This is him, and it, uh, if anything else, it is a slightly racist overtone. Now look at him, you know. He's such a self-effacing little fellow. He drives whatever, and I think, well, hold on a minute, he's a footballer. He hasn't got there by being Mister Nice Guy, you know. And and I just think that's the worry: is is keeping players. It's not just attracting them. And I think, honestly, I think if we don't get the Champions League next year, he'll be gone. And and I don't, I've no idea what follows that. Okay, 
but you would like to think that someone at the club is making a plan, right? Now, you know, if they say to him, look, you've got another season, and we don't get, and I'm wrong, and we don't get Champions League, they say, Sarri's got another season. At what point next season, if we're where we are now, do they say, that, that's it, that's it, had enough? Or do we still have the cult of Sarri sitting there saying, he needs time, he needs three years, four years, Klopp got four years. Klopp still hasn't won anything, by the way, okay? And neither has Pochettino. I'm saying no, no, but they, 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 yeah, they have, they have at least something to show that they're pretty close. They, they, they may well do, and, and maybe our chaos disruptor model isn't quite over and done with. I would like, I want stability. But what I want is, I want it with the right bloke. And I tell you, this is really, really pedantic and and possibly a bit silly. You have got to Wembley to a cup final. Wear a fucking suit, okay? How <laughs> hard is it? I mean, they go, well, Pep Guardiola didn't have a suit. I tell you what, he looked pretty cool in his jumper, doesn't he? he you know, he's, he's smart, casual. He doesn't look like he's just run into fucking Primark, picked up the first rack of clothes that he could find and run back out again. And I just think it doesn't... It, you know, that's the image of the club. You talked earlier on about the brand. I hate the idea of the brand, but Christ almighty, is that what they want projecting their image? I just... It, you know, I, 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 I wanted to give him a chance. I've come off the fence and say that I don't think he's the right man. I think, I think he's out of his depth. I think, I think, Tony, you're guilty. You're, you're, yes, you're I am guilty. guilty. You're guilty of the. Um, I would have, I would have thought the Pogues were the greatest band in the world if only Shane McGowan had sorted no, his teeth I, out. I, I, the guys that, I that, sit next to—that's the road you've the gone guys down. Guys, I sit next to at football are both Italian, Attilio and Tony, right? And Tony says he looks like a hospital porter. That's what he looks like. Uh, and I can't disagree with him. I, I don't really care what he looks like. I just actually think for a Wembley final, you know what? Smarten up a bit, mate. You know, just for the interviews. Then go and put your tracksuit on when you're on the... You, you, know, what? you know what? I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, there's so many variables as to what could happen, particularly given the way that top four... We're three points off the top four as we're speaking. Okay, yeah. with the game if we in fin- hand. With the game in hand, if we finish the season in the top four, then what? Then I think you know you. Well, uh, he's going to get he's going to get a second season. I think that would be his only target. Four then points. you've got the, you've got another variable. If if Hazard goes, let's say oh. he does go. Okay, how yeah. much money are we going to get for that? Well, you've got all that money burning in your pocket, and then the third one is that maybe the transfer ban happens, and we basically say to Real Madrid. Because um, there is also a rumour that Real Madrid uh, know that the transfer ban is coming for us and therefore they realise that our price is going to be too high. Yeah. And quite frankly, from what most people say about Hazard privately, he'd like to go there, but he's not really that fussed. He's happy in London. He's got a nice house and his, his kids yeah, are OK. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. what if what if you know he stays and uh, Kante stays and we say, Do you know what, next season, as we have done, I mean, if there's any club, it's well known in football, if there's any club that is that is very good at resisting offers for its best players. It's us. We, we were well known for this. That if you look at all the players that we've had in difficult times, because we've, we've not been in the Champions League two seasons out of the last four, we have no right to have the players that we have. We have two. We have two world class players who have not left us, despite the fact that in two of the four, two of the four of the last seasons we've been in, they've not been in the Champions League. So I, I think there's room to be definitely room to be concerned because we do crazy things regularly. But also there is room for optimism because, yeah. you know, here we are and we still have after all of this, we still have a pretty decent set of players knocking around who with a bit of, you know, with a bit of organisation could do something. You know, we we, yeah. we, we, we we we're a funny club. And I think the ultimately we'll just have yeah. to. 
we'll just have to wait and see what happens at yeah. the end of the season because yeah. we could be in the top four, top three, top six, top seven, wherever. We have to see yeah. how it pans out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, um, uh, I was going to... We've covered... Uh, I, I put them all down as bullet points and we've pretty much covered every single one of them. Um, I think it's been interesting. I, th- I, I still think we're... We're in a position. Oh, I don't know. We're, we seem to. I don't think we've resolved anything tonight. I think that we've we've very eloquently put across concerns about, um, uh, you know, the the, the manager and, and the, the the various way this season's gone. Um, I, I'm frankly, if, if 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 I've seen the back of football dressage, great. I don't want to see it. If I've seen the, the back of um, Apollo Creed style ring dancing uh, football, then great. Um, uh, you know, I've I've said it long and hard. The best type of football, the type of football I've enjoyed the most, is winning football. Um, and and I make no uh, bones about that. I don't. I, and, and and I've actually had a few run-ins with um, uh, uh, blue-tinted Nick. Is it blue? You, you know Nick, don't you? Um, yeah. I've had a couple of run-ins hello, with Nick. him. Where he's hello, like, yeah, yeah, hello, Nick. Um, you know, he's he's like, you know, I I just want to see entertaining football. And I'm thinking, well, why aren't you watching Newcastle then? You know they played entertaining football under Keegan and various and Robson never won a thing, whereas me, um, I want to see trophies. That, you know that's ultimately the, the the glory side of football. If we don't win them, I'd still support them, but I want to see us win them. And we've we've been given fifteen years of, uh, you know, the being the most successful club in this country, and I don't want it to end simply because a, an owner's lost interest, been treated shittily by a government that seemed to think that anybody from Russia was just bad anyway. Um, and then uh, as someone said to me at the club last night, yeah, but he's, you know, he won't tell them where his money's come from. He's been in this country 15 fucking years. Why has he suddenly got to start answering that question? Why won't Should they we go through him? all the list of people who, who might want to answer that question as well, who are not Russian? Well, precisely. Um, and, and, and so there's a, a, a more than a touch of sort of governmental hypocrisy about the whole thing. And not only that, I've said it before, if there was anything that anybody had on Roman Abramovich, do you don't think the Sun or the Telegraph or the Times or something would have uncovered it by now? And they haven't, right? And I, I have no doubt that for a few years they were desperately trying to crack some big scandalous story about him and couldn't, so they gave up. Um, well, uh, I just so that's, think, a, that's a story for a whole other podcast. Well, maybe, yeah. maybe, but you know, show yeah. me anybody, show me any any multi-billionaire who hasn't exploited people in some way or another. Um, because there isn't one. There, there simply isn't one. The, the, the thing is, the two should not be mixing. No. Um, and I think, and they, I think, yeah. you know, I've even seen, I've even seen people on Twitter saying, you know, wouldn't it be, we get a rich Saudi Arabian, and that, that might be the end of my season ticket if we get a rich Saudi in there. Because, well, you know, you'd have a rich Qatari who City have, uh, but uh, yeah, exactly. Again, but that's another, no, that's I'm not quite sure podcast. the Qataris have got the same yeah. record on murder and you know suppression. We're getting into politics here. Yeah, that's something maybe we need to step away from pub. this one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, poor old Donald sitting there thinking, "Oh my God, I'm going to go and have to get my boxing outfit." You know, his boxing referee's outfit on and his bell. Um, you, you, you've missed me on this, <laughs> haven't you? I'm going to. Yes, it's oh, been. It's been um, a, it's been an interesting one, and I, I, I think we've probably exhausted everything now. Um, I, I want to say um, just this, that there is never, ever, ever uh, get any getting tired of beating Spurs. Last night was a fantastic atmosphere. It was great. To, and, and, and I know there's been a lot of stick flying around for people who say, you know, we never had a racism problem or an anti-Semitism problem, but it was a joy last night to not hear 
Chelsea fans singing the Y word in any songs. They did, they yeah, did their bit. Yeah. They tried to bait us. Uh, no one responded. I still think it must have hurt them more than anything else that A, we didn't respond with the Y word in any of our songs, right? And B, Tottenham Hotspur, it's happened again. I mean, that yeah. must hurt more than anything else. That's the beauty of it, you know, just I, being I'm able astonished. to sing that again and watch, you know, and, and honestly, I, the one thing I was disappointed about last night, actually, was that uh, with five minutes to go, we hadn't sung Is There a Fire Drill? Because that end of the shed where they were went from being absolutely rammed. I reckon there was probably less than 200 fans. It was, that it was one of the most astonishing things I've ever seen in football. <laughs> You're 2-0 up and it's 10 minutes to go. And they cleared out of that stadium as if somebody had told them that there was a winning lottery ticket lying on yeah, the street. Yeah, it was. I, it was I've amazing. Never, I've never seen anything like it. For, for a local derby, yeah. getting 2-0 down, I yeah. incredible. Yeah, I mean, incredible. and then we all know that if you've got five minutes up and there's three minutes on the board, one goal, one goal. You, and that's you, it. Yeah, and, and suddenly you're back in that game and... And whatever, mm-hmm. but it it the, the, it was just. I looked up and I thought, well, the, hold on, they're, they're really. Have, have we had part it, of our ground shut down? There, <laughs> there really, there really was only one chance. Given that this is the second time that we've beaten Spurs out of oh, three yeah. three games, and that was the classic normal service. Is uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic. And I I actually had to hunt a Spurs fan down at work today who who taunted me after the Bournemouth four nil. Right, um, and he, he talked to me with a particular piece of work or something that needed to be done, and he said, "You know, I have to leave today at four. Dot zero chance of me doing that." And like, it was very cleverly written, and I went, "You bastard!" So uh, I, I sent my thing back to him the day that he'd asked me the question. I did say to him afterwards. I spoke to him. I said, "What, what a day for you to to rattle my cage about something." And I just said to him, "You really need what you need to repair this. Is you need um, uh, the the latest version." He said, "What's that?" I said, "Two dash zero." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you, well, you know, you know, you, you, know, bastard, the, like, you know, the way it's going for them. I mean, although annoyingly, um, I don't know if you guys have heard about the well, you probably have the, the Harry Kane headbutt, which we we needed him fit for uh, Saturday because, quite frankly, I'd I'd like them to take points off Arsenal. Yeah, um, think... but if it continues, it may be them that, that that slip out of the top four and allow us to to, to creep. He's, he's been yeah. cleared of. They're not taking. He has any been action. cleared. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, good. yeah. So uh, um, I I think it was six one half a dozen of the other. I, I I but that that was the thing before before I go into the outro um, and, and go and join my wife for some discourse there. Um, I that was one of the things I enjoyed last night. It was and it started the moment I think. We were we were on a break. Uh, we were moving up the field nicely, and one of their players went down, and we had the booze and all this sort of stuff. So we stopped play, kicked the ball out, and much to my disgust, I was like, you know, the player he got up within a minute, of course, as they do. I thought that's typical. That's a Man City tactic. That is, you know, or Barcelona. We're, we're, we're kings of this, you know. Break up the play by going to feign an injury or whatever, and. Um, they kicked the ball back to us. I think it was Sanchez, the, the, their rather impressive defender, kicked the ball back to us. And it went all the way back to David Luiz and, and whatever. And Harry Kane went in to try and win the ball. Right? Yeah. Uh, which is completely against the whole spirit of the thing. You kick the ball back and then you let the team come back out again. But he mm. sort of tried to get in and take the ball off of Luiz and, and, and whatever, or try to get between Luiz and Caballero. And that's where it started. Uh, and that's when that was... And there's a moment, I think, in... Again, I'll go back to Rocky... Certainly Rocky 1 and Rocky 2, there's a couple of points in the fights 
where you hear the ding and the music kicks in because that's the moment when the fight or something's turning and that's what I heard mentally in my head was when Kane did that and and, and Louise was on him and, and as Pelliqueta were on him and suddenly he found himself with Chelsea players going you, you know obviously you know that was that's not the way it's done or whatever and that was the minute I thought oh this could be a bit of a game this one um, but it was good to see that's the point we've missed that all season we've been nice guys all season well, we've not been it's petulant what, it's, it's what was coming there's been no leadership in that yeah. side since yeah. since the big the yeah. big boys left and I mean, we're going to have to address that we, we, talk about the, address we talked about stuff. the captaincy we only touched on it so I'm very quickly going to say um, and I will ask each of you before I go into the outro I would remove the captaincy from Azpilicueta and if you're not going to give it to Louise who I think would be very good at it okay, I would give it to Rudiger because he looks permanently angry Okay, and he had a, a monster of a game last night, uh, and I just think Rudiger, he looks as annoyed as every fan in the ground, and I just think he's, he has got that kind of enforcer, he might not know it yet, he's got that kind of enforcer, Patrick Vieira, stroke Tony Adams, John Terry, um, mm. you know, a player goes into hazard and suddenly finds Rudiger booming down on him saying, you do that again, you ain't getting through the second half, mate, you know what I mean? So that's my view, uh, Donald. Or the, would you, or would you the keep, German for that? Yes, or yes. Would you keep? Would you keep uh, as Pierre's captain, or would you say, "Do you know what? You're too nice," which is my view. Sorry, I've I've fed you the line there. I don't know. I, we, I think we go back to the old um, thing about in English football, we're obsessed with the captaincy. On the continent, it doesn't matter quite so much. Um, I don't know. I, I think I haven't thought that deeply about it, really. Can I just say something? I, yes. I happened to gaze down at my phone for a moment, and uh, the inestimable Keith Flett, uh, trade unionist and man of labour, beard wearer and beer drinker, um, has just tweeted something that I think sums up what we've been discussing all night. If you imagine that, uh, obviously, Roman, as an oligarch, is the antithesis, we would say, of of uh, Soviet uh, practices and so on. But he obviously grew up you know, in a Russia that was still part of the Soviet Union, etc., etc. So he would have been exposed in his early life to much of the propaganda that, you know, was pumped out in, in Soviet Russia. Uh, he's, uh, Keith Flett has, twi- has tweeted a, a poster from the Soviet Visuals uh, Twitter feed um, from 1933, and I think it it adequately sums up how Chelsea are managed or how Chelsea works because obviously it's Roman's team. And he grew up looking at posters that say this, there are no bad collective farms. There are bad managers. Hey, blimey. That's a, so that's there a, you that, go. That, that, could, that, that would fit perfectly into, into Animal well, Farm, wouldn't it? That's, well, we, uh, could, uh, we could do with a few Stakanoviches in this side. Yeah. <laughs> Dear, oh dear. Right, um, thank you very much. I'm going to move on. Uh, let's do the, the, the parish notices then. Um, uh, if you can pick this up on iTunes, it'll be... Uh, it's, well, I, I, I would imagine it'll be Monday now by the time uh, this gets its uh, its regular iTunes slot. Or you can go to podinshed.com. Um, um, both myself and Donal will be sending our, our recorded copies this up to Nick probably tonight or tomorrow. Um, let, his work, his, let him work his Alan Parsons-like engineer magic on it. Um, 
um, and hopefully on Monday uh, you'll be able to um, listen to this. And of course, if you're listening to it, you're thinking, what are you telling me this for? I'm listening to you, um, which makes it completely pointless. But uh, if you go to podincheck.com, you will find 96 previous episodes um, and a star-studded array of, of, of people, of which me and Donal are probably now the stalwarts. I think it's fair to say that uh, that we are the ones that have been there since episode one. Um, um, if you uh, also want to join something worthwhile, we have the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Um, you can join the trust. Uh, chance to get your voice heard by the club. Uh, if you lob them £5, you become a voting member. Uh, you get a little badge as well, quite a nice little badge. Um, it's uh, if You can be a non-voting member for free, of course, but that means you're not voting. Um, you can sign up at uh, chelseasupporterstrust.com. Um, and uh, if you do that and pay the money, you can attend meetings, come to the events, and vote on the issues that directly affect you and every other fan, um, and it's a chance to get your voice heard. They do have a regular meeting with the club, I believe. Alex, the lovely Alex Churchill, is is the one of the ones that goes and sits with Bruce Buck and all of the others and says... Um, uh, we don't like the kickoff times, or we don't like this. I think the only thing they never get to discuss is who the manager is or who the manager's choosing. Um, the next shed, well, we I think we went five weeks from the last one, um, which is a pretty much a record this season. So I'm going to say about four weeks, um, three or four weeks, depending on on fixtures. We've got a couple of uh, rotten old Monday night ones coming up, I think, which is my worst possible night for going to football um, I'm a real Saturday 3 o'clock for football man me you know and then you've got the rest of the weekend to kind of enjoy yourself or not um, but uh, hopefully I'll put a notice out to say when the next one will be um, and we'll see who the guests are and we'll also have of course a much better picture because we will be right into the arse end of the season um, and fourth place third place eighth place um one thing for sure we won't be winning the fa cup or uh, any any time this season um but we may well have progressed in the uefa uh, europa league sorry the europa league um despite my reservations about the likes of inter milan arsenal benfica um valencia sevilla um and teams like that being in there um as if it's going to be an easy one to win um so uh, it's good night um from me i'd like to say good night to uh Kweku first it's been an absolute pleasure having you on mate good to hear your voice again good to hear you're back in circulation um, Cheers, pal. and um Glad to be I, back. Look, I look forward to seeing you on twitter where i can argue the merits or otherwise of <laughs> football and the current state of the Labour Party and Brexit, <laughs> which are also subjects that me and Nick, blue-tinted Nick, who is actually, I'm sure, a lovely bloke, but... Um, we, he is. We, He's we, a very good pal of mine. We, try to, of we, we try to keep it civil. Where occasionally, occasionally our true voices come through. I, I Tony, need to, I'll tell you what. I'll go I on need better. To, we'll I need to pub. meet him in a pub and have a, a, a beer yeah. with him because it would just be fantastic. I, we'll, we'll, do, we'll, we'll do it in a pub because yeah, uh, Twitter we, is becoming a bit too mad for me. Yeah, we do, we do, come, uh, we do come from... I think to similar conclusions, but from very different angles. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, thank you very much, Quaker. It's been really great having you on. Um, Donald, sure, um, an absolute pleasure as always. Um, and um, well, hopefully, I'd like, yeah. I'd like to I could get, think that there's a chance we could meet up uh, a game at some point and share a, uh, an ale or two. Um, yeah, I think uh, I'm due down to the Kiev game. Is the next one I'm going right, down okay. to? So I'll, yeah. I'll maybe. Give you a shout before that or whatever. Yeah, okay. um, I tend to I tend to be coming from the other side, um, from from you know the the sort of east side of 
of Stamford Bridge, whereas I think you go in the pubs on the, the, the sort of oh, North Road yeah, and all that yeah, sort of way, don't uh, you? Yeah, well, uh, I, I only really mm. go in the in mm. the cock, um, which is uh, on Fulham, I think it's on the Fulham Palace Road, is it, that one, I think, and um, that's pre-match, and then post-match it's usually the Atlas because it's down by West Brompton Station, so um, yeah, if, that's if I'm getting a train, um, if I'm driving, obviously, I'll just get in the car and go home. Um, but a real, <laughs> real, real pleasure talking to you, uh, to you both. Yes, and, and, uh, and I, I should be sending an email to Nick suggesting that uh, we move from just having the podding shed on an allotment to actually turning it into a proper collective farm. Indeed, so, indeed. Yeah. Five-year five year, five year plans. Five-year yes. plans, exactly. Um, listen, chaps, great to hear from you. I'm going to call yep. it a night. So good night from me, good night from Donal, and good night from Kweku, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Yep. All the best now. Take care. Take care.